Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben. So, stop me if you've heard this joke before. An engineer, an architect, and a nurse walk into a hospital. Okay, well, no, never mind. That's not the setup for a punchline. It's not really a joke. But it is... Today's episode, episode 355 of the podcast, it is January 15th, 2020. And and today's a little different. I'm sharing three conversations of about 15 to 20 minutes each with three people I know who have very um, different backgrounds and, and their careers have taken interesting twists, but they've all ended up working in healthcare improvement. Um, lean is, is, is basically, well, it's, it's that's the podcast here. That's our common thread. But we uh, first have a Toyota-trained engineer, Isaac Mitchell. He started his career. Uh, he really wanted to go work for uh, Toyota. He worked for them in Kentucky right out of college. And then, like me, he ended up transitioning from manufacturing into healthcare. And uh, so we'll hear from him. Secondly, we're going to be joined by an architect, Laura Silvoy. Well, that was her uh, undergraduate degree. Then, then she changed directions and got a master's degree in health systems engineering. And she works for an architecture firm um, involved in the improvement and design of healthcare facilities. And then thirdly, we have um, Darren Judkins. He's, he, he was originally, he was his undergraduate major, he was a business student, as he'll tell us. He then went and got a nursing degree. And after years of providing patient care at the bedside, he then got involved with lean and healthcare improvement and innovation at his health system, his hospital in Colorado. So we, uh, all four of us, we know each other. We've become friends over time through our involvement in an organization uh, I've been a member of a long time. It's called the Society for Health Systems. SHS is part of the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers. And one reason we all know each other is our involvement and participation in the annual um, conference the uh, the SHS calls the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference. Uh, it's a mouthful, but it is a great event. It's being held this year, February 26th to 28th in Savannah, Georgia. Um, I, I really love this event, the learning, the networking, uh, the friends. Um, I, I am disappointed that my schedule doesn't allow me to be there this year. This will probably be, I think, the third year out of maybe 14 that I'm not uh, attending. So um, I, I really do recommend the event. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk with Isaac and Laura and Darren um, about that a little bit in the episode here. So um, again, you know, it's a different format than usual. Um, I, I, I think you'll like it. I hope you'll like it. Um, we're going to be talking about improvement with three pretty interesting people here. So if you want to learn more about them and learn more about the Society for Health Systems and the HSPI conference, you can go to leanblog.org slash 355. Well, our first guest today for the episode is Isaac Mitchell. Isaac, how are you? I'm doing great, uh, Mark. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, thanks for being here. And, you know, our, our guests today all have different backgrounds and experiences, and we're all connected um, through the Society for Health Systems. Um, but Isaac, you know, if you could just maybe, you know, first off, introduce yourself and um, a little bit about your background. We're going to talk through your career arc a little bit, too, because I think you have, you've, you've taken an interesting path that's allowed you to see a lot of different things. 
Absolutely. So uh, again, my name's Isaac Mitchell. Um, I'm an industrial engineer by training. Um, uh, I currently work in industry for uh, DeRoyal. It's a medical uh, device and uh, supply manufacturer. But uh, I actually started my career uh, working in automotive, uh, working for a Toyota uh, manufacturing in North America. Um, I learned about Toyota in my, in my uh, readings in college, uh, the Toyota production system, uh, the machine that changed the world, and really got inundated by uh, their methodology and uh, wanted to go learn from the source. So that's, that was my mission after after college at the University of Tennessee uh, to go work for Toyota. And um, after uh, three months of interviewing, they finally let me join their team. And that's where I started my career uh, in Northern Kentucky uh, with Toyota. And a uh, great opportunity to work in the automotive industry, uh, see that culture firsthand, um, learn the Toyota way problem solving, uh, and just really get a glimpse of that culture. And then uh, I started reading more about uh, applications of uh, uh, lean methodologies uh, in healthcare. Uh, I actually read an article in IISE magazine. I believe it was your article, Mark, if I remember correctly, uh, talking about applications of lean and the Toyota production system in uh, healthcare. Yeah. And that really got me interested in that type of work. And uh, that's when I made my transition uh, into the healthcare process improvement side of things. About uh, 13 years ago, um, I moved into a role at East Tennessee Children's Hospital uh, as their uh, director of lean. And um, had some great experiences there. Got to see a wide range of uh, uh, projects and ex uh, really got great exposure into the healthcare world. And then um, a couple of years ago, uh, I moved more into the vendor side of things, working for uh, DeRoyal Industries. Uh, they had a product that they are working on, uh, inventory management uh, product that uses RFID. Um, and I made that, that move into the vendor role, but it's really very much a software-driven company. So I've learned a lot about software development um, and uh, uh, using my background and process improvement and uh, in, in this role, uh, making sure that when we go out there, we're really examining uh, how hospitals work before we throw uh, shiny new technology on it. So we're not putting you know, this new technology on broken processes. We're taking this chance to really understand what they're doing. Uh, is this an opportunity to make improvements and then just add uh, this technology on top of it to make it even better? So. That's yeah. kind of been my transition over my career from automotive to frontline healthcare operations and now more towards the vendor solution side of things at DeRoyal. Yeah. And, and for any you know, uh, industrial engineering students who might be listening to this podcast who have been involved in uh, Society for Health Systems as students, I, mean, I think your career arc, Isaac, shows how uh, I'll you know, stick my chest out and pride as being an industrial engineer as well, but you know, there, there are transferable um, skill sets and thought processes that come from our education uh, in, as industrial engineers that, that, that can be applied in all sorts of different settings. And absolutely. I think that's one of the great benefits of the industrial engineering background is it uh, has so many applications to different industries and fields. And, it, you know, it's really up to uh, the graduate what they want to do once they, 
with their knowledge and it is transferable, like you said, to any industry. We, we are trained problem solvers and uh, we can go out to many different applications and, and apply that knowledge. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think your, your career path and mine both show um, whatever you start doing right out of school doesn't mean you're locked into that for the entirety of your career. Absolutely. Um, did you start a GM or Dell? I couldn't remember which was first. Uh, GM. Yeah. yeah I survived GM. General Motors. <laughs> <laughs> But um, yeah, so it's funny speaking of General Motors and, and, and uh, I don't mean to be uh, too flippant about this, but I'm sure you've been hit with the, um, the observation, you know, you're working in healthcare and, and somebody points out, well, patients aren't cars. And I'm like, there's no disagreeing with that, right? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but um, I mean, can, can you kind of maybe talk through, you know, as you're, you know, constructively partnering up with people in healthcare and, and they have that under understandable hesitation or skepticism. So I don't mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm not mocking that. It's a, it's a reasonable concern for them to have, but um, you know, how do you kind of try to guide that conversation with somebody to, to help them understand how your lessons from engineering and Toyota um, can be helpful in the healthcare setting? You know, whenever I hear questions like that, and I've learned this over the years as I've learned to be a more effective coach and leader, is I question where their question is coming from or where their mm -hmm. statement's coming from. And it's out of some concern or um, uh, they're, you know, unsure of what's happening. And, I, you know, I, I don't try to defend that question or, or come up with a, a canned response. I, I'd like to learn more about what's going on in their head and, and what their concerns or fears or, you know, really just try to better understand what they're going through and how I can help. But, you know, I think at the point you're getting defensive, it's, it's tough, tough to come out of that. It's more of a starting mm -hmm. to open up dialogue and question about, you know, okay, what are some of the issues that are, you're seeing? What, what is going on? What, what are we trying, you know, what does good look like for, for, for you? Uh, because that question comes comes at you heated, and uh, they're they're kind of invoking a response, and I try to avoid that and try to be better understand the situation before I go down the path of attempting to even consider answering that question, so or that yeah. statement. Yeah, and we're we're often dropped in the situations uh, where there there's history, and you don't know what sort of baggage there is from um, previous attempts to uh, use lean or methods from any industry as, mm -hmm. as healthcare um, has, has tried to do. Um, so yeah, I, I appreciate what you're saying about, um, you know, trying to understand where they're coming from. And, and like I said, there's, there's, there's a basis for a concern or there's a question behind the question. Yeah. <laughs> We're saying really like, well, Hey, patients are not cars. That's not even a question, but there's yeah. an applied question. Yeah. <laughs> And as long as, as long as they're willing to have a conversation instead of making that statement and stomping off, yeah. we, we but, can uh, get somewhere, right? This is what I'm thinking in my head when that question is asked. You know, I, I think if, if, if people had a chance to see uh, modern uh, automotive manufacturing and how complex it is and how well cars are treated, uh, they would have a little better context around the Toyota production system and yeah. the thinking behind it and, and the management style and the problem solving process, because it's incredible to see firsthand uh, that process. So, yeah, uh, you know. Well, and, and I think it's really helpful because I, I mean, I go back to even my earliest days consulting in healthcare going back to 2005. 
um, you know, people hear a word like lean and, you know, they, they, they unfortunately sometimes picture like Lucy and Ethel in the chocolate factory. I don't know if younger people picture that, but um, when, when you have the opportunity even to go visit a parallel healthcare organization, I remember taking people from a hospital lab uh, outside of Chicago, we went and traveled up to a hospital in Minneapolis and, you know, the, the laboratory technicians and, and people who were with, with us were pleasantly surprised to see the quote unquote lean lab. And, it, you know, it's not so binary to put a label on it like that. But, you know, they went up and they said, like, OK, wow, that seemed really calm. The phones weren't ringing constantly. People weren't racing around. And so, you know, trying to help open people's eyes um, to, to what a lean environment would be like to work in, you know, going to a, a good factory or a good hospital certainly can be beneficial. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree completely. And uh, we, I might have mentioned this in the past uh, conversation, but we, we did similar things with our hospital executives. Uh, we have a uh, local uh, Denso manufacturing facility here uh, in uh, Alcoa, Maryville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And they're a Shingo winning facility. So we were able to take hospital leadership out and see their, 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 quality circle, their huddles to kind of see how they operate from a management perspective uh, and the importance of quality in that system. So there is, there is a lot to be learned from this, this uh, management and uh, style and production system. Yeah. And and like you were describing, like you were describing, it's about, you know, it's about problem solving and even what you talked about in your current role, the idea of not just throwing technology at a problem, but trying to uh, improve the process first. I mean, that that's that's a lesson straight out of the 14 principles of the Toyota way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what else are you learning? Um, before we talk about the conference for a minute, you, you've shifted from uh, working full-time as an employee at one hospital and or one health system, and now you're, you've got a role where you're getting to work with a lot of different hospitals. I'm, I'm just curious how that's changed your perspective or, or what you've learned by doing that. Um, it's certainly been a, a great uh, learning experience to be exposed to more, more health systems um, and seeing uh, different uh, environments, cultures, processes. Um, I think what I learned at each one um, it's just like working in different departments at the, at the one system I worked at, uh, East Tennessee Children's Hospital. Um, it's really important to understand their current culture and how people operate and who they are before you start to suggest solutions to problems or you know, put our technical solution on their process without knowing anything about the people that work in that system or the environment. Um, and the more and more hospitals I go to, uh, the more and more I find it's important to connect people, listen, understand about what's going on, um, sit in your ONO circle, uh, observe, mm-hmm. learn, and then start to work together uh, to improve processes and apply our technology or whatever solution you're, you might have uh, to best fit their, 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 their culture and their needs. So the more I see, the, the more... I see similarities, but it's always important for me, I think, to go in and then, again, just learn, listen, and then work together with the people that are doing the work uh, to uh, design the solution that's going to work for them. 
Yeah. And I'm kind of chuckling. You talk about sitting in an Ono circle. I don't think Taiichi Ono would allow people to sit. It was always stand in the circle. Stand, a, yes. Thank you for that, that correction. Is it, well, is this a modern, this is a modern accommodation, right? Ergonomics, <laughs> perhaps, or sitting. I don't know. Some people say sitting is bad. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they say sitting's the new smoking is the phrase, yeah. right? Well, back in the day, uh, in Ono's time, people could probably smoke in the workplace if there yeah. weren't uh, flammable chemicals nearby. <laughs> but uh, well, it's a different era. But but again, like what you're bringing up here um, in in terms of going in and um, you know trying to understand the current situation first sounds like classic A3 thinking and and something else that you learned at Toyota, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, that's certainly um, stuck with me as you know very much one of those things that you take away. Uh, you try to, I try to learn as much as I can from any, any job, any situation. And, uh, the, the A3, uh, methodology and thinking has stuck with me uh, throughout my career. And then, uh, uh, the constant reflection, uh, towards the end or the finish of a project, you know, uh, what could we do better next time? So yeah. uh, the Hansei's, uh, and the other thing that's really stuck with me. Yeah. I mean, those are things you, it's hard to unlearn, right? No. Yeah. Um, so we've got the you know, Society for Health Systems conference coming up, um, or the, uh, the the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference. I always call it the SHS conference, uh, old habit. Yes. Um, February 26th uh, for workshops, the 27th and 28th are the main days in Savannah, Georgia. I mean, we, we've spent a lot of time together over the past 10, 12 years at, at the conferences, but you know, I'm going to ask everyone on the podcast today, you know, what, what is it that, that you personally uh, enjoy and find most beneficial about going to the conference? So, you know, year after year. Yeah. So um, I've been a member of um, SHS since I moved from uh, the uh, automotive sector to the healthcare sector. So I think there's lots of value for different groups of people. Uh, for me at the time, it was uh, trying to learn as much as I could about health systems. And uh, this is, I believe, one of the best societies out there that really is focused on healthcare systems process improvement. So uh, you get access to a great network of people. Um, you know, uh, when I first started, um, I read your book and then I met you at the conference and you're very open to help help answer or talk through any questions I might have about healthcare. So I think the willingness of, of the network of SHS to mm-hmm. uh, share ideas and, and learn from each other is one of the biggest benefits um, for me. And I think for, for people that attend this conference and uh, hopefully become members. Um, and the other thing for me now more on the, on the vendor side is I'm not, and the day in and day out of healthcare uh, hospital operations. So I like to see and hear what people are talking about. What are the, what are the, what's going on in industry? Are there, are there common trends? Uh, what are people seeing? What are they trying to solve? And then how can we as industry help, you know, solve those problems? So that's, yeah. that's the other thing I find interesting uh, from year to year uh, about what people are focused on. And then I love, uh, the academic side too, and seeing what academia is uh, focused on, um, seeing what the students are working on, um, and uh, kind of learning from youth as well. Um, they become so new and fresh with uh, technology, be it simulation or 
uh, other, you know, business analytics tools, things like that. So that, that keeps you young and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest as well. Yeah. And um, there's a you know diversity of topics. Um, I, I focus a lot on lean, but there are all sorts of different topics and tracks that really kind of cover the broad range of industrial engineering um, disciplines and methodologies. That's one of the things that's interesting about the conference. It allows me to get, I mean, I enjoy the lean focused presentations, but I do try to get outside of uh, that lean bubble sometime and go take in a talk about um, simulation or uh, change management or other top or, you know, safety and ergonomics. Um, that's, that's one other thing I think is a real strength of the event. And I should also thank you, Isaac, for not just being a member, but for being uh, the president of SHS for this past year. Does that does that term end at the conference? It does. I will become officially the past president. So um, <laughs> I have uh, enjoyed the role and uh, serving uh, for this group. Um, um, uh, it's been an honor and I'll continue to be involved with the SHS uh, throughout my my career. But uh, yeah. a great group of people. Um, one of my favorite things about uh, the conference is you talk a lot about uh, professional network and that, that's certainly something that you'll get out of this conference. Uh, I feel like yeah. people are really open and willing to sharing ideas. And uh, there's been multiple times where I've, I've called people up and told them about the situation I've been in and they've been able to give me feedback and provide mentoring. Uh, but the other thing that comes out of this conference uh, is eventually you become uh, close friends with the people that you mm -hmm. attend year to year. And the conversation moves uh, more from a, what's going on at work to more about what's going on in your life and your family. And that's also a great thing that comes out of this conference is, is a good friendship. Yeah. Well, thank you again for, for your service. You'll, you'll have yet another uh, sticky ribbon to put on the bottom of, of your badge <laughs> at the conference. And yes. um, I think we're chuckling. We're probably both picturing uh, John Templin, who usually yes. has about 20 of those on his <laughs> Yes, yeah, so yeah, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. So yes, <laughs> yes, yes. To if he ever starts, uh, there's risk of tripping over it. We're going to have to have a safety timeout and say, "Okay, John, that's <laughs> too many." Yeah. <laughs> um, but but one other thing, you know, final thought I'll add um, about the conference is that you've got a range there, um, going from uh, college students who are involved in SHS chapters, and um, you've you've got folks like John Templin who, um, you know. I don't know how long he's, he's been involved with uh, SHS for, for decades and, and I'm not trying to push him in the retirement, but I mean, you, you've got a full age range and experience range. And, and I think that that networking and, and collaboration to be able to, to find mentors and, and learn from people with experience and those of us who are getting gray, have a lot of gray hair, um, can learn and be inspired by what the younger uh, participants are up to. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And um, yeah, that's one of the things I like about it. Uh, you know, a wide range of people there from all different facets of their career. And then you do have a mix of both clinical uh, attendees and, and uh, more traditional uh, engineering types. So uh, it's a good mix of people. Uh, yeah. A great melting pot to learn from. Yeah, that's a great point. We're, we're inclusive of um, people who are working on health system process improvement um, who, who aren't engineers. So even though it is based from the Institute of Industrial and Systems Engineers, uh, you're right, that's another dimension of diversity at the event. So um, good point. 
in bringing that up. So um, Isaac, thank you for um, taking some time to you know, chat about some of the different things you've uh, done in your career. Let, let's do a longer chat sometime on the Lean Whiskey podcast. Can I, can I sign I you up for that? I think that sounds like an excellent idea. I'd love that. Okay. So we'll, we'll, uh, we'll have a longer conversation. We'll, um, you know, we'll have you as a guest um, on that. So sorry to plug that podcast, but I think that will, <laughs> it'll be uh, fun doing that with you, Isaac. Absolutely. So, um, so thanks again. Thank you. Well, our second guest for today's episode is Laura Silvoy. How are you? Hi, Mark. I'm doing well. How are you? Real good. I'm glad you could um, join us today. And, you know, I think you know, it's an interesting episode because we've talked to Isaac, an engineer. We're going to talk to Darren, a nurse. And sorry to label you so narrowly here, but I'm going to call you Laura, the architect. <laughs> but could you um, introduce yourself and, you know, tell the audience um, a little bit about your professional background and then, you know, uh, how did you end up working uh, in healthcare? Absolutely. So my, uh, my trajectory kind of started out as an architecture uh, student at Lehigh University, and I really wanted to do architecture. I thought that that was the career I was interested in pursuing. And then as I got close to finishing my degree, I realized that I would either need to go to a lot more school or work in an area where it wouldn't be sort of like a very uh, a well uh, you know, not very meaningful work, at least in my opinion, about what I would get to do with a very um, basic level of architecture degree. So the school I went to, uh, it was a Bachelor's of Art in Architecture, which is the kind of lowest on the ladder of architecture degrees that you can get, which is why there was so much schooling that would have been required afterwards. Mm -hmm. And as I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I came upon industrial engineering. And as soon as I uh, found that subject, I said, wow, this is something that I do all of the time, just naturally. I don't even think about doing things like this. It just kind of comes to me. And I decided to pursue industrial engineering just as an overall major. I thought I would have to get another bachelor's degree. I ended up being accepted into a master's program also at Lehigh and wanted to start on my journey of industrial engineering so that I might be able to take that degree and work in any number of industry uh, that I could uh, because mm -hmm. I was going from this very narrowly focused architecture industry which I've since learned is not quite as narrow as I initially thought it was, uh, all the way into industrial engineering, which is something that I saw as being applied to sort of any industry. And when I started the industrial engineering program, Lehigh was just beginning the healthcare systems engineering program, which is a specific degree that focuses on industrial engineering in healthcare. And there were professors who were trying to recruit me to that program. And I Mm -hmm. was kind of like, no, I'm not interested. I just got out of this niche industry of architecture. Um, I would like to keep my options open. And so I'm mm -hmm. just going to do general industrial engineering. And if I choose to practice in architecture, or if I choose to practice in healthcare, I can. But if I want to practice in other uh, industries, I could do that as well. I felt like the healthcare degree might focus me into a specific industry for the rest of my life and I wouldn't be able to get out of it. Um, and as I'm sure you've seen with many of your other guests, having a specific or non-specific degree de 
definitely doesn't lock you into a certain industry for the rest of mm-hmm. your career. Yeah. So then, yeah, I, I, I knew I was apologizing for a reason for giving such a, a narrow label. You became uh, Laura, <laughs> the architect and engineer. Yes. Yep. With that um, and specifically the healthcare systems engineer, because I did end up joining that program. Uh, so I did, I did get my degree in healthcare systems engineering, sort of discovering all of the problems that were happening in healthcare, all of the waste, all of the waiting, all of these things that industrial engineers learn how to identify, I started noticing in the health system. And I said, well, what better way to use my degree than to help people who are dealing with probably an unfortunate circumstance already, which is the reason that they're at the health system. Um, And now on top of it, they're dealing with the, all of the waste that's involved in our health systems. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at your LinkedIn profile and, and there with the master's program is uh, a poster or a summary of some work that you did um, using discrete event simulation, which I'll have to admit, I haven't really, I haven't touched that methodology in 25 years. Like I, you know, I took classes, uh, a class in that as an undergrad and, and got to use discrete event simulation software, um, you know, my first year or so out of college. But, you know, I, th- I was wondering if you could, you could talk about that um, a little bit and, and in the context, you know, that uh, as Isaac and I had talked about the SHS, the, the, the Healthcare Systems Process Improvement Conference, isn't just about lean. It's about mm-hmm. all sorts of IE topics, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, actually, my first, the first time I was at the SHS conference, I did a poster presentation on a project that I worked on here at my current company, um, Array Architects. Uh, So I was finishing my master's. I worked on my capstone project with Array. And as I was working through that, I had the opportunity to go to the Healthcare Systems uh, Process Improvement Conference in uh, February of that year. And um, I believe it was the following year then I was able to take my work from uh, my master's capstone project and actually present it, present, do a poster presentation. And uh, it was this project that I worked on was all about trying to make sure we had the right number of prep and recovery beds for an outpatient uh, spinal surgery center. And mm. so it was an interesting project and I was able to use discrete event simulation to help our architecture firm understand the number of treatment positions they would need for the number of ORs that were available in that space, which is something that they had always wanted to do and been trying to do. And there's all of these benchmarks uh, that are available to architects through some of the architecture and planning um, societies. And they they provide these benchmarks, but for the first time we were able to take actual patient data and run it through a simulation model and tell a client, well, the benchmark says this, but actually because you're doing such a specific surgery and you have such tight windows of recovery time, we think that you could build this many um, recovery bays, which would lead to a cost reduction and a reduction in the square footage of the actual space that you need. Now, you know, discrete event simulation is, um, you know, uh, you know there's, there's challenges in, in building uh, a model. And uh, But did, did you find, um, I remember even when I was back at General Motors, there, there, there's challenge sometimes in getting people to accept the simulation model or if they're unfamiliar 
with um, simulation modeling? Was, was what, what are your recollections about some of that challenge? Yeah, I think for this project, um, it was a little bit easier for them to accept it uh, because we did come down and sit and observe for a long time. So we had a good understanding of what their process was. I think I was down observing for probably about two days, which doesn't seem like that long. But when you're sitting and just watching patients come go out of prep and into recovery, it seems like a long time to be sitting there and just watching. Yeah. Uh, and so we did that hands-on observation and I also created that current state model to mimic their existing system. That way they could see exact that the model was matching their reality. And then we can make those changes with the number of beds that were available and allow them to see what the impact would be when those numbers changed. So mm -hmm. by, by kind of matching that this is your this is the model and this is your reality and they're matching up really well and that helps that helped this client to believe the model and to say okay th they're operating hand in hand the model is showing reality reality is matching the model i think we can make mm -hmm. a change and trust that the output is going to be what would happen if we actually did make that change yeah because uh, yeah, as and, and you've been involved with um, lean and, and continuous improvement, and I mean, it seems like there 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 is a time and a place when you're making expensive, somewhat risky decisions, like the number of rooms. That might not be the type of situation where you can just try a number and then iterate. That it is important to try to figure right. out as best you can the right answer in advance, right? Yeah, absolutely. Especially with um, with design and building, and a lot of times we've come in and clients have asked us to take a look at something. We've designed a simulation model and actually come out with the answer that you don't need any more space. You just need to improve the way you're operating. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to spend money on building something. You can make more process improvement type changes in order to get the outcome that you're hoping for. Yeah, and that's a great point. So yeah, you, you probably run in the situations where people have sort of jumped to the solution and that solution means we need more rooms. Mm -hmm. Yeah, all the time. Uh, <laughs> everybody thinks if they had more space, things would be great. And more space just means more expensive waiting rooms is really uh, what, we, <laughs> what we run into. Yeah, I mean, I remember seeing situations um, like you know, laboratory and pharmacy settings where they had already built their new space and the staff had said, basically, we want what we have, but bigger. Mm -hmm. And that led to new types of waste when, you know, sometimes now, now they were lamenting the increased walking distances mm -hmm. that were uh, a result of having a larger space. It hadn't really been, uh, redesigned from a process perspective. And, and, and is that the type of thing that you've been involved in? Um, you're working for an architecture firm, getting involved in, um, can you talk more about some of the aspects of uh, the design process and how uh, workflows and space kind of get uh, improved or how, how that planning works all together? Yeah, absolutely. So we have um, in a, 
part of our approach is to start with understanding the process. A lot of architecture firms, or rather the traditional way of approaching an architecture project is to go in drawings in hand with some kind of plan uh, already half-baked to that first client meeting and saying, okay, we read your request for your proposal, we want the job, and here's what we think we could do for the solution for you. Like, there's there's never, there's not really been too much discussion. You may have attended an interview with the client and you end up with this, this plan that the architects have gleaned from past master plans and they sort of just show up with some sort of floor plan. And it never really changes. It kind of just stays the same. People just ask for more toilets and more storage and things that they think they need because they don't really know what they need. And the architect doesn't really know what they need. And without asking how they're working, you could never really have a good understanding of what they actually need. So the way that Array approaches projects is by starting without any drawings, starting at the very beginning of going into a department and saying, how do you work today? And is that successful? And we use current state mapping to kind of work through that conversation. And then after understanding how they're currently working, we ask them, how would you like to work in the future? We've identified problems that exist in your current state. We've identified a bunch of places where you think that you could do better. How would you like to make it better? How would you operate in the future if you could do all of these things better? And we help them to focus on pieces of the process that we know they can affect change in. Mm -hmm. um, we don't sort of do a pie in the sky future state map where it might identify changes in software that we know aren't feasible for that health system at that time. Hmm. Um, and so I think that is where our conversation begins. And then once you finish that future state, it really leads to a plan then, uh, a, a set of rooms and a um, the way the building is organized, adjacencies, everything kind of comes together based on that workflow rather than just saying, well, we have an emergency department and we like to work this way and we always, we're always out of beds. And so we just need more beds and some more storage mm. um, because that will just lead to a bigger version of the same emergency department that you're trying to <laughs> right. build out of. <laughs> yeah. And the, the attempt to solve some problems, again, might lead to just new different problems. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think one of one of the big uh, things there is especially when we go into these old, older hospitals that are much more compact, uh, but are no longer meet the code requirements. Then you end up with some of these departments really expanding because they didn't have appropriate support space to begin with. And because they're small and they're old and they didn't need that back when they were built. And now they're moving into new spaces that require so much more support and so much more space, even per room. The rooms are bigger, which is great. Everybody loves the big rooms, but that increases your footprint dramatically. Yeah. Well, I feel like may maybe there's so much we could delve into. Maybe we can do a separate podcast sometime talking about kind of, uh, your, you know, other other good practices and in terms of going about uh, design and redesign and construction. Yeah, absolutely. That would be great. So I'm sorry we don't have more time to delve into that, but um, you know you had mentioned earlier the the poster at 
um, the, the, the conference, I still had an old habit called the SHS conference or the, <laughs> the HSPI conference. If people Google SHS conference 2020, Google knows what you mean. It'll point you to the right place. But I was wondering, Laura, if you could share um, some of your reflections on what you liked about the event. And I see you there all the time like I am. Um, what, what are some of the things you enjoy most and, and br keep bringing you back to the conference each year? I think it's really the close-knit community. Uh, like you said, we see each other every year at the conference. It's a good opportunity to meet people. It's a good opportunity to network. I think that everybody who goes to that conference is genuinely interested in improving the way healthcare is delivered in this country, whether that be through policy, through actual tactical frontline improvements, through the architecture and the building design. I think that a ton of professionals from so many different industries come together who are really interested in making healthcare better um, here in the United States and, and also in some other countries as well. I think we've really increased our international attendance at this conference. And so it's really neat to be able to see all of those people sharing ideas and collaborating and bringing their knowledge and sharing that expertise uh, with each other and you know, just kind of getting to know people on a more personal level. I think that I've got more friends uh, who I keep in contact with through the Society for Health Systems than I might have really good friends here at work, actually, because yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm surrounded by a bunch of architects. And at, when I go to the HSPI conference, I get to be surrounded by people who know what I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Isaac said... Um, that same thing about, um, you know, there, there's the professional networking and the learning, but um, it is a, a close community. And, and like you said, people become friends and um, there's, there's common interests and common perspectives. And um, yeah, it, I mean, it's one of my favorite events um, each year. Um, I'd already told Isaac um, off air and unfortunately I'm not able to make it this year. So it's just, this is, Maybe oh, the second, the second or the second or third year out of maybe fourteen or fifteen, the the, it's, the schedule just doesn't uh, work out. But trying to contribute to the cause by uh, doing the podcast and and hopefully exposing others to the Society for Health Systems and the conference and having you know three different people share a little bit about what they do in the name of healthcare improvement. So I appreciate you being able to join us, Lauren. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for reaching out. Sure thing. Have fun at the conference. Thank you. I'm sorry we'll miss you this year, uh, but hopefully next year I'll get to see you. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm going to miss the learning and the fun. So I know you'll have fun and uh, it's a great experience. So we'll, I'll see you there in 2021. Sounds you. great. Thanks. Okay, we are joined next here uh, in, the, in the episode by Darren Judkins. Darren, how's it going? Great. Yeah, how are you, Mark? Um, doing well, really. It's been yep. um, a, a good opportunity here to chat a little bit with uh, Isaac and Laura. And, you know, one of the themes we've discovered here is, is sort of the idea of, of career paths and <laughs> things take mm -hmm. a different direction at some point. We've all ended up working in healthcare improvement. So, you know, it's your turn to tell your story and, and sort of the path of, of how you got into healthcare. Yeah, um, I want to be respectful of everyone's time, but um, I started with a business degree and, um, 
got into conference management and some things that were fairly interesting, but always felt a little empty at the end of the day. And uh, some concurrent actions in my life got me into martial arts and massage, and and that opened up a pathway to explore healthcare uh, as a career. And the next thing I knew, I was in a nursing program. Um, and so I was fortunate enough to, you know, uh, get out of America and travel and study in Thailand and um, India and, and Nepal, and just kind of it kind of helped shape my perspective on priorities in my life. And ultimately, that led me into a um, a nursing degree program and uh, changed my career in that direction. And so I uh, got into nursing. So um, after, you know, providing care, direct care for patients mm-hmm. for about four or five years, um, kind of those threads of, of, of processes and um, seeing, wanted to be part of a bigger a part of care because as a nurse, your, your, your life can be very narrow um, and you're, you know, helping just the people in front of you and, and so I had a desire to step out and, and you know, kind of get into a role that would help me um, help the systems um, that provided the care. Mm-hmm. And so that, uh, and then right at the same time, it just happened to correlate with uh, a lean um, uh, program initiative at our, at our facility at Boulder Community Health. And um, next thing I knew, I was reporting to the manager of lean and being trained by Simpler. We had a contract mm-hmm. with Simpler. And they schooled me up, um, you know, trial by fire um, with Celine Sensei's as they yeah, came learn, through. Learn by doing, yeah. Definitely, yeah. And so I uh, owe so much to the, to the you know, Sensei's that, that they sent out and um, got me schooled up in the toolbox and, uh, you know, changed, changed my, the direction of my career. Even well, and- with, after the second change, right? First it was healthcare, then, then (laughs) lean within healthcare. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you've got a perspective, um, I will never have, I mean, it's a perspective like our, our friend, Amanda Muborn, um, from the society for health systems events. Um, I, I did a whole podcast with her. It's episode three forty three for those who are interested where she talks about going from, uh, engineering into nursing, working at the bedside. And, you know, I, I try to, um, you know, uh, empathize with the work that I observe people doing, but I, I wouldn't pretend um, to really appreciate it um, right. as, as an engineer. And like, you know, I'm curious your thoughts on this, but to me, that's why it's so important to not have engineers try to directly improve nursing work, but instead our role is to help coach and mentor nurses to help them figure out how to improve nursing work. Yeah, I I will say that my my street cred, my clinical street cred has 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 gotten a lot thinner over <laughs> over the past seven or eight years. But um, but I I always go and and um, touch base with with the clinicians that I worked with, and it always refreshes the 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 grind. Uh, honestly, um, that that and then taxing uh, that's put on your your character and your personality to always be on, and um, and and just be in that empathetic space. I mean, it, it, you can't slip, you know, when you're on stage with clinical care, and so it's 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 a great perspective that I carry uh, with me, and I refresh regularly because I think it's that important. Um, yeah. And so, uh, again, while, you know, as each year progresses, I 
I, you know, you, you certainly wouldn't want to wake up from a medical procedure and see my face. Um, <laughs> and nor would I, um, but, uh, but nonetheless, I, it's perspective that I carry with me and I understand, um, being in the inside of the culture, um, of the processes that you're trying to affect improvement on is, is infinitely valuable. And um, I feel fortunate to have had that. And I've worked side by side with, uh, with industrial engineers who, you know, were helping to lead uh, these processes. And there was definitely a, a divide that you could see in, in the language and the understanding. Yeah. And, um, and so it was nice for me, although, listen, I learned so much from all of my engineering brethren, I have to say, I still do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, that's another source of inspiration for me in my career uh, are the, is, you know, the vast knowledge that, uh, that I would have, um, with team members like that. But, um, yeah, I feel lucky and it's, it's, I've been blessed, um, mm-hmm. to, to evolve, uh, to a title, my, my title's innovation manager, which is always one of those that you have to explain as soon as you say it. Um, I was going to ask and, you to explain it yeah. then. <laughs> tell, tell us more about that. Then. Um, please. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, it's, it's evolved as well as, as, uh, as, as the organization has moved me through different roles. And um, this title is, is, is kind of at the, the, the nexus of somewhere between um, strategy, business development, uh, project management, and, and lean application within our organization. And that was kind of the best title that we could come up with at the time. And honestly, I contributed to the job description that I currently hold. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, that's a blessing as well right? in your career. You don't always get to do that. And um, it's uh, it, each subsequent title I've had from, from lean transformation specialist to, to innovation manager, there's a subtly different focus. And the focus on my role is to make sure that our services are competitive in the market. And so the analysis we do that get us to, you know, point me in certain directions is just a little bit different than it used to be with lean and um, mm-hmm. has exposed me to a sort of different dialogue within the spectrum of healthcare. Um, and my you know, leadership changed from me to being uh, rolling up to quality, to um, and the ambulatory VP. And now um, I roll up to the VP of strategy. And so again, that's been a big learning on uh, a different, um, you know, just different language and different analysis that uh, that I've been exposed to in understanding where value is and that which will keep our, um, you know, I, I work at a, a small uh, independent hospital system and we are albatrosses at this point and our charge is to stay in business. And so I fortunately get to help um, contribute to um, making sure our services are competitive so we don't lose market share. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That That independent hospital has become more and more, uh, rare as, as there's been consolidation and mergers within American. Definitely. Yeah. We, we are surrounded by very large competitors in, in, in Colorado. There's one other, we're, we're one of two independent hospital systems. The other one is, is protected by geography. Um, mm-hmm. We are not. And so, um, you know, keeping our market share is, is paramount and uh, that's pretty much my job. So, yeah. And then, I mean, does, does part of the role, um, I mean, are you trying to look at, you know, people talk about trends or needs within healthcare around helping uh, keep people healthy, 
Um, yeah. you know, the, the challenges to the business model when um, you're, you're helping pe- help uh, keep people out of the hospital, things like that are a challenge too, right? It's, it's definitely, uh, you know, it's an interesting time in healthcare um, in that fee-for-service is still such a huge component, but then value-based contracting and keeping people healthy um, is an important um, space to hold. Um, and so, uh, like every organization, we're, we're trying to balance the, 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 the act around that. But we look um, more and more recently, um, we look to referral patterns and downstream um, you know, revenue to see where we actually compete in dollars and cents and then, um, and then go upstream to apply the, the, the tools of lean and to bring in our partners, that being our patients, and our clinical partners in the market to tell us where we need to be better. And that's what, that's the work I get to do is to do focus groups, run our patient family advisory committee and um, literally have the the folks who are making the decision as to where to take their care, tell us how we need to be better and then move along that spectrum. Yeah. So um, kind of a you know, final um, topic here, you know, when you talk about um, being exposed to, to new ideas and, and approaches and methodologies, that that's, uh, this is a very leading question here, but that's one benefit sure. I've gotten from the, um, the, the, the HSPI conference. Um, but I'm, I'm curious your thoughts in terms around benefits of the conference around, uh, you know, learning and, and everything else that comes from it. <laughs> well, I, I've, I've been a, I've been part of the conference, whether being a, a presenter or a reviewer, for you know six seven years at this point. Um, and every year, the the conference keeps me humble. It 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 reach, recharges my batteries on ideas, and the the impact that we in our industry get to have. Um, on improving um, such an important industry in in everyone's lives, and um, you know, I, honestly, if it weren't for HSPI SHS, I doubt that you'd be talking to me right now. I mean, it's it's my network um, of exposing me to professionals, not in my close geographic realm, which would be exposing me to competitors, but rather folks in other states, uh, primarily that that can inspire me and I can pick up the phone and call, um, you know, my connections around the nation, um, to answer specific or, you know, help with specific issues that I'm having and provide some perspective from the outside. I do that all the time. Uh, I'm blessed with a, with a rich network of connections that I've made through the conference. And, um, you know, it's, it's just one of the, the things that I value and I've been able to Enforce, you know, reinforce that value to my leadership to allow me to participate in the conference. And um, I've been fortunate, you know, that, that, that I've never had any pushback in that particular direction. I did have to pay yeah. my way last year, I have to say, <laughs> but, yeah. but it was worth it. It was, you know, San Antonio was fantastic. And, and uh, it, it was worth, you know, for me to pay out of my own pocket. Let me tell you, that's a decision you have to make, right? When, yeah. when you get to the point where it's like, I'm going to go myself to this, to this conference because I enjoy the exposure so much. Uh, it's important to me to expose myself to best practice around the nation. Yeah. And that's what I get out of the conference and, and the society. It's the same thing with, uh, with SHS. Um, mm-hmm. 
So, and I'm, I'm, I'm learning more um, about, you know, uh, the SHS value to me as a clinician, you know, my background mm-hmm. as a clinician, it's um, not necessarily something that becomes a huge resume item for me, quite honestly, but um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's just such a deep resource bank. Um, yeah. And hopefully more and more clinicians see, you know, clinician, you know, PI folks see that the same value that I see. Yeah. Um, well, and, and you know, the slogan, um, maybe, you know, so, um, I don't know if I'm, if I'm a good marketing guy, but the, uh, the slogan for the IISE could be like, it, or the, for the conference for, for society for sure. health systems beyond the conference. It's not just for engineers anymore or, you know, uh, <laughs> clinicians welcome, um, because that's, uh, that's a positive well, trend. We certainly are, but I, 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 I'll never forget the first time going to the conference as a presenter. I was fortunate enough to be chosen as a presenter, and, and it was a big deal to me, and um, I felt like I was surrounded by engineers. And, and over the years, that has, you know, that sense has gotten less and less. Um, yeah. So it's fun. It's fun. I, I, you know, I, I, I make the best nursing jokes, um, uh, <laughs> usually in the crowd at, 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 at HSPI, but um, and it used to be the engineers, engineers making the jokes, and now it's, I think it's more, more and more the clinicians making the jokes about what it's like to work with you, clinicians. <laughs> you got to give us a nursing joke then before we go. Oh, goodness. No, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. That's hallowed ground, and it's all situational. <laughs> okay. So it's more, yeah. it's more of the, uh, the snappy comment as opposed to a joke. At, 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 that's joke. right. I don't. Yeah, I do horrible with jokes, so I will. Okay. Uh, I'll let other folks do that. Get into that space. All right. Well, fair enough. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Well, thank you, Darren, for um, joining us and sharing a little bit about your own, um, you know, unique, interesting career arc, and and for talking about the work you're doing and uh, the conference. And and I'll add a final thought. I've been as guilty of anybody of uh, thinking of the Society for Health Systems as the annual conference. And there's a lot more to get out of it than that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Mark. It was an honor to be, uh, to be uh, sharing words with you in this format. And um, sorry, you won't be coming this year. No. Well, thank you. But I'll see you in yeah. 2021. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.